made, like all his suits, in London. Every year he went there for his wardrobe, ordering several suits and pairs of handmade shoes. Nobody made clothes like the English, he thought, which was rather surprising, bearing in mind what a scruffy group of people they were in general. Young people in blue jeans with tears in the knees, men in shapeless, shiny jackets with zips in front, women in unflattering trousers, and everyone, it seemed, in running shoes. And yet they made those wonderful clothes for other people. Tweeds, cords, mohairs, checks, tartans. This suit was just right for the occasion. It was made of a thick brown tweed with a double-breasted waistcoat and would keep him warm if the day turned nasty. Although that looked unlikely, he thought, the sky was quite clear and there were signs of spring everywhere. It would be a perfect day. He ate his breakfast slowly, perusing the columns of the newspaper, noting the obituaries. Nobody today, thank God finally turning to the stock reports. There was satisfactory news there, too. Everything was up on the previous day's trading, which was how it should be. He laid aside the paper, wiped his mouth on the starched table napkin, which Marcus had patiently taught the Italian maid to iron in just the right way. And then he got up from the table... There was a short time to wait before the car would be at the door and he would set off. For a moment, he was unsure what to do. He could write a letter, or read, perhaps, he was halfway through the magic mountain, but he was out of sympathy with it for some reason. German literature was so depressing, he felt, so heavy and full of woe. What a bleak vision they have, our neighbours to the north. What a frightful group of people, for the most part. Terribly greedy. But they eat our chocolates, I suppose. He went to his bureau and took out his writing case. There was a letter to be written to his cousin in Buenos Aires. She wrote to him once a month, and he always wrote back within three days of receiving her letter. She had nothing to do, of course, and her letters reflected this, but he was dutiful in family matters, and since he had been left on his own, the burden of correspondence had fallen on him. Dear Hetta, what a gorgeous day it is today, a real peach of a day. The lake is still, and there is no movement in the air. Yet spring is here, I can feel it, or almost here, and very soon we shall have blossom in the garden again. Alas, you will slide into autumn and winter then, but I shall think of you as I sit in the garden. He paused. She knew about Madame Termat, of course, but he didn't want her to feel that there was any understanding which did not yet exist. Perhaps just a mention then. Today I am accompanying Madame Termat... I have told you of her, of course, into Zurich. We are going to take a short walk by the river, as it is such a lovely day, and I have one or two matters to attend to. Then we shall come back. 
He wondered if he should say more, but decided that this was quite enough. Let them speculate in Buenos Aires if they liked. Marcus came in to tell him that the car was ready outside. He got up from his desk and walked into the hall. There was another mirror there, and he looked anxiously at his reflection. The tie needed straightening, but he was sure he was right about the suit. It was exactly what the day required. Goodbye, Marcus, he said. I shall be back at the usual time. Marcus held the door open for him, and the driver, seeing him emerge, started the engine of the car. They moved out onto the road, into the traffic, and edged their way up the lake to collect Madame Tamart. My dear Madame Tamart. Dear Herr Brulli. They beamed at one another.